welcome to another episode of Gutter Boys, episode four. I'm here with uh, co-host Cam. Cam, how are you doing today? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, just ready to talk about some comics, I guess. You know. Definitely. Uh, before we get into that, though, I want to thank the listeners as always. Uh, we got an email this week, so we're about to read that here about last week's show. Uh, you know, this is episode four. We've been doing it for a month now. Uh, happy month anniversary, man. One month. Thank you. Hey, happy anniversary, Gutter Gang. Thanks for uh, sticking around for a month. <laughs> we might not be around for two. We'll see what happens. No, I'm just playing. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, hey, you never know. Things come at you fast. Right. You got to bob and weave. Oh, also shout out to uh, uh, Rich Mike and Al uh, over at Virtual Pros for the shout out. Really appreciate that. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Thank you. Yeah, Mike I said guess. the next time he shouts us out, we have to pay. I don't think we have that in the budget. Oh, true. We'll have to start a Patreon for sure. Yeah, I'm not paying shit to Rich Mike. <laughs> rich Mike's already rich. You don't need more money. Alrighty, so we're going to get to this email here. Let's go ahead and start it. It's from Darren. Hey there, I'm Darren, another Louisville-based cartoon... Oh, hang on, I can't read today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, let's start this over. Hey there, I'm Darren. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead. Go off, son. Yeah, okay. go. Hey there. I'm <laughs> hey there. I'm Darren, another Louisville-based comics creator with an opinion I'm throwing at you because you asked for it in the last episode. First, you guys mentioned subscription services for an archive of old comics. Shonen Jump recently switched to that model where you pay like $2 a month and get access to all available chapters of a majority of the series they own. I'm definitely on team print comics because of what I think Cam mentioned about needing to see and scan the pa panel layouts and things like that. Equally important is the paper it's printed on, the way the ink's set on the page, the actual size you're reading it at. But when money or space doesn't allow you to buy or own 5,000 graphic novels, digital can be extremely useful in finding the things you want to commit to but can't buy print copies of. For the comics that already exist, I can't see a switch to digital for those ever fully working because you're taking the comic out of its context, and context can be everything to some comics. A lot of them are made with things like the paper in mind, or the way a person scans through a book, or what have you. For a digital comic to work well, I feel like it would almost have to be made with that in mind, too. I think Scott McCloud made a book on this called Reinventing Comics that apparently he himself says he was pretty wrong about, but it seems like he tried to touch on the subject, and I'm curious on what he, even if he was misguided, initially thought. I think I've said too much now, so whoops, I'm going to take a step back. Sorry if it was too much. Keep up the good work on the podcast. Exciting to keep listening in. Best, Darren. Alrighty, so I wasn't aware of Shonen Jump having any kind of subscription service, but I'm not like the biggest like manga head. Were you aware of that? Uh, I heard some inklings of that, but yeah, I'm with you. I'm not really a big reader of uh, anything, let alone manga. Yeah, like I'm really surface level. Like I've just finally read Dragon Ball like last year. Um, and that was just after being told that it was like really funny um, because, you know, I wasn't really a fan of Dragon Ball Z when I would see it on Toonami as a kid. Um, but Dragon Ball is really good. And when you read Dragon Ball, you know, I think Dragon Ball Z makes a lot more sense, of course. So I kind of like that. And, you know, I read a couple things here and there. But, yeah, I definitely am not like a deep dive like manga expert by any means. Yeah, I mean, the the few manga I have read, it's like, uh, there was this one, I think we talked about it before, maybe not on the show, uh, that's like a horror manga called uh, Parasite. Oh, yeah, 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 and, we didn't, yeah, you mentioned that before. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, a lot of people, like, you know, uh, listener John Bailey, actually, I don't know if he even listens to this, Nano Death, uh, always recommends I lis uh, <laughs> listen, recommends that I read uh, Berserk. 
Oh, yeah. I've seen pages from that, and it's pretty insane. I've never actually read it, but uh, there's some definitely some crazy shit going on in that book. Yeah, it looks pretty wild. I'll I'll probably check it out eventually, but it's like on book 200 or some nonsense like that. So <laughs> something crazy, yeah, right? Yeah. Like it's so daunting to even try to get into those things. Even like the like, you know, animated versions. If anything has over 20 episodes, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like it's even worse with manga because like especially if it's like adapted from a, into a movie or something so like Akira is only like two hours and the book is like, you know, like five or six massive books. Right. No, I was actually talking about that with a friend the other day, like how the movie's two hours, but it's like over a thousand pages of story. So, yeah. you know, it's kind of crazy. Two dollars, though. I mean, you're not really making too much money. Two dollars a month on that subscription service. So I would imagine like the creators get a royalty check of pennies. Well, you got to think annually. grand scheme, right? About like how many users you get. Um, plus, you know, uh, whatever ad revenue you're getting from that. I mean, there's a way to monetize that. I don't think it's just it, like on surface value. I think that there's more to it than that. So I don't know. I, I think it is a viable business, you know, uh, model. But well, well, we'll eventually have somebody who knows more about it on the business end uh, on the show eventually. Uh, so yeah, if you're listening to this and that's something that uh, tickles your fancy in terms of doing a deep dive about digital comics and sort of the the business. Uh, dealings of that and how it works for artists and writers and publishers uh we'll get to that um that's a that's a gutter boy promise there's another part of darren's email that uh was actually kind of interesting um about taking comics that already exist and putting them on a digital platform he mentioned it not working uh obviously they do this you know marvel and dc for sure obviously the shonen jump thing is that as well um so it is interesting you know if you we were kind of touching on it last week you know Mm -hmm comics that were already made to be printed, you know, for them to be translated over, maybe it wouldn't have the best, you know, translation to a digital platform. But if you're making the comic with the platform in mind, you know, you can definitely reinvent the wheel there to an extent. So I agree with you there, Darren. And uh, Darren is also another cartoonist as well, as he mentioned. And I know he's working on a book right now, mentioned uh, trying to go to SPX with it. So yeah, so what I've seen from the work, you know, that he's posted on his Instagram, um, I'm not sure what it is, mm-hmm. but if you just search Darren Vote, that's V-O-G-T, you can find it. Uh, some of his process pages are cool, and I'm looking forward to whatever he puts out. So thanks for your email, though, Darren. It was awesome for awesome. you to write in. Yeah, thanks, Darren. We appreciate it, and hopefully we'll uh, get to hang out at this year's SPX. Hey, dude, do you uh, ever put hashtags on any of your posts on social media? Uh, no, absolutely not, no. Yeah, same here. Have you ever tried it? To be honest. Uh, as a joke, yeah. Right. Like, I'll just like make up uh, very long hashtags that are nonsensical, of course. Exactly. Yeah, that's kind of what I've done, too. Um, yeah, it's one of those things that like I see it works for people, obviously, because like when it comes to like the amount of likes, like they're triple quadrupling. Yeah, but does but it, though? I don't know, man. Like no names mentioned, but um, there's some people that like I've seen like use like 40 hashtags and their like follower ratio is just like crazy through the roof not to discount like you know their work because you know obviously they're talented as well but it kind of just makes me think you know how much of that is you know people stumbling across your work randomly because they're following certain hashtags like illustration or drawing or comics you know so you know not to take uh, away from their work but you know (laughs) (laughs) no i mean i know a lot of people that use hashtags um and some people 
it works for them. Others, it's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just have like half a fucking post of just hashtags and you got like 20 likes. And I don't think that was worth it. <laughs> no. And, and, you know, and certain people try to be slick with it and they do like the ellipses and like you have to, yeah. you expand it and it's like, you know, their caption. But we see you. We see y'all. <laughs> I honestly, I think that, that the hashtag stuff probably helps, but to such a minuscule degree that it's not even worth it. Well, even if it is like a like or like if they don't really, you know, buy anything or it's just like a random like, it's an empty like, it doesn't do anything in the grand scheme of things, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, we've talked about this right. in terms of like what does what what does social media numbers mean in terms of like uh uh, you know monetization or income and it, there's like no relationship to the two so but also though i mean um you do see a lot of people i don't know like i feel like there's a lot of people that are able to get work because they're bigger on social media some of these artists have accounts that have hundreds of thousands of followers millions in some cases and um I don't know. I think that you could turn that into Yeah, but now everyone I think does, you could turn though. that into monetization if you have that many followers, you know, you're probably going to sell more inevitably right i don't know i mean maybe not maybe i mean you know on this again on surface level you it, you would think so but i don't really think that's the case and i'm basing that off of people i know who do have 20 30 50 100k followers and that shit does not translate because they're still struggling for paying bills you know yeah fair enough so i i don't i don't really think it's to a degree maybe that when when people not familiar with it would see stuff like that and think, oh, they're doing really, really well because they have 120K followers. So that means like they're getting their bills paid and they have like a lot of spending money and they're just like flexing left and right. It's like, no, no, it's all, it's all a show. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're fucking broke. Yeah. Trust me. They're, they're fucking broke as shit. So, um, I don't know. Like, I don't think that should really affect how people, um, interact with them or like, you know, purchase their stuff. I had in a perfect world, people, like working artists would be able to make a living wage regardless of, you know, whatever, instead of having to constantly plug themselves into social media and constantly have to just like scream into the void, hoping that, you know, one of these millions and millions of people staring at their phone will give a shit. But yeah, you know, the reality is that's not the case. <laughs> we have to do it. We have to do it. We have to fucking constantly just, uh, do this game, I guess. It's just really, it's annoying. So I gave, I've given up on that whole thing. I'm just like, no, I'm just going to post at my own rate and, you know, at my own pace when, it, when I want to show something that I'm actually interested in showing instead of having this, this, uh, foreboding feeling of constantly needing to do it. Like I have some sort of like fucking third world grandma fucking shaming me <laughs> passive aggressively, you know, making me do stuff that I really don't need to or want to do. So. Right, right. No, definitely. And I used to post like a lot more and now I just post, you know, a handful of times a month. Yeah. Um, now I'll, you know, post a bunch of shit in my story. But as far as like, you know, a lot of that stuff's not even my own art. You oh, know, yeah. it's just like stuff I see or what I'm looking at. Right. Um, but as far as like actual post, yeah, it's just a handful of times a month now. But yeah, I used to feel like I had to keep up with the Joneses in a way. But yeah, I don't give a fuck now. Yeah, but exactly, because keeping up with the Joneses, it's like you tend to forget that the Joneses are fucking broke, so you're keeping up with <laughs> really nothing of value. <laughs> you're running a rat race at that point. Oh, just yeah, absolutely. A, you you know, are the rat race. You're the proverbial dog chasing your tail, and you are right. uh, you are never going to get that tail. It's fucked up, man. What a racket we're in. Yep, yep. It's good. It's great. That's <laughs> really good. Uh, I saw you were working on some new pages. What's that for? Is that just a new book you want to? Uh, yeah, that's the book I'm going to bring to Chicago Zine Fest. I'm putting out two books this year. Oh, um, damn. Yeah, that's my plan. Like, um, I had this book 
pretty much like almost done. Um, I wanted to put it out last year because I just wanted to, it was kind of like egotistical, man. It's called 20 because it was originally going to be 20 pages long. And I just like looked at the amount of pages I released last year and I put out 80 and I was like, man, I want to just really put out a hundred pages. So I was just going to do like a little compilation of scraps and it was going to be called 20. But then like, I was just like, man, this is stupid just to release it for that. And I wasn't really like, I was just putting stuff to put it out at that point. Mm -hmm. And that's something that like you do when like a rock star dies and the family needs money. You know, that's that shit nobody wants to see, right? but gets put out because it's like a cash grab and not saying that I would even have a cash grab, but it just didn't feel genuine. But I am keeping the name. It's going to be more than 20 pages at this point. Um, But it's going to be kind of like the first, or I guess the second issue of vacation where it's just little strips and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the fall at SPX, I'm putting out Vacation 3, which is actually just at this right at this point right now, it's just one long story. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm doing this book, which is just a bunch of little stories. And then I've got one really long thing coming out in Vacation 3. It's going to be like 24 to 28 pages at this point. But, yeah, no, I was just working on a little strip uh, for the book that's coming out in May, though. Awesome. Okay. All right. Okay. I see you. I see what you're doing. All right. Yeah. Are you working on anything new for the, uh, I know you're working on stuff that, uh, you know, you're not writing, but are you actually going to have anything like new that you're doing yourself for the show season this year? Or just kind of bringing some old stuff. I'll for sure have two new things for SPX, maybe three. Um, one will be the anthology that I'm doing with you. Right. Right. Yeah. And yeah. the other is another anthology. Well, not an anthology. Sorry. That's, it's a collaboration with my buddy, Eric. He runs, uh, really easy press out of Seattle. I used to live in Chicago. Um, it's a Rizograph publisher. Uh, I'm sure Rizograph stuff will be something that we will talk about too, because uh, it's very interesting. Never done it, but really want to. Yeah, I feel like Rizograph has come come into the especially small press comics arena. Oh yeah, for uh, sure, pretty strong. And I think that's just a reaction to uh, digital, you know, digital comics and digital media in general, and how. Rizograph offers a pretty uh, affordable alternative to to print, uh, but still still ret- still retains a lot of the uh, quality that you would get from stuff like screen printing or you know anything like that. Basically, exactly. Yeah, more yep. time time like uh, time involved processes. My brain's fucked right now. But, <laughs> you know, any, any kind of process, print process that requires a lot more time and um. You know, like facilities and all that. Like Resograph, you can do all that in a little machine and it's pretty great. Uh, but yeah, so I'll have that stuff. I'm trying to finish this ash can, that thing I'm doing with Aubrey. And uh, what else? There's something else that I can't remember now. Uh, damn it. Yeah. I don't know. I'll have I'll have other stuff out. Did the volume two of Sweaty Palms ever come out? I know you showed me that strip I mean, last year. It got funded. Yeah, so did- it got funded. I think it's just a matter of it being fulfilled the orders being fulfilled i'm pretty sure the book got printed i'm the last person to really talk to you about that because that's all sage right and, right and uh they they've been having a rough rough year so um i there's is that silver sprocket is that no silver sprocket is some unrelated or... thing out in um in san francisco that yeah they have nothing okay. to do with that gotcha that's where i met uh I met Sage at the Silver Sprocket table, so I didn't know if they were the ones doing Sweaty Palms or not. No, no. Um, it's uh, so Sweaty Palms is entirely independent. Um, uh, Sage is the editor this year. I forget who was the editor last year. Somebody in Chicago, too. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, hopefully, we'll see that probably in fall of this year. I don't know. I mean, they're on... 
they were on a, a timeline and now that timeline's out the window. So I don't mm-hmm. I don't have a good answer for that. So I don't know. That was the one that you did the autobio story for, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that was a good story, man. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Yeah, I mean, I read that... it on a phone. Going back to last episode, I read it on a phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I can't wait to check it out. Well, you'll probably, yeah, you'll see it eventually. I don't, I don't yeah. know when, but you will eventually. Uh, I have like so many comics that I've done in the last two years, and just like, is they're just they're just sitting somewhere. Like no one will, no one's read them. The only people that have read them are the four or five friends that I will share that stuff with, uh, <laughs> you know, via PDF or whatever. But. Yeah, I don't know. It's like part of the game now. I, I, any comic that I work on, I kind of just work under the assumption that no one will fucking read it or see it. And uh, yeah, that's just part of the fucking grift, man. That's just <laughs> this is how it is sometimes. I feel like I'd make work with all intentions of it getting out. Like, of course, I have stories that I scrap, and there's stories that people don't see, but. Anytime I work on anything, I have like every intention to make sure that it gets put out, even if I have to self-publish it. Cause I mean, yeah. I've been fortunate enough to have, you know, a few small publishers put my stuff out, but you know, the majority of my work has been self-published. So I guess I kind of dictate when or if it comes out, Yeah, but, um, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, obviously when I make work, I would like for people to see it. I would like for it to be published mm-hmm. or printed somehow by me or by a publisher or what have you. But, um, there's a lot of stuff I've done that just hasn't been printed. You know, like I have, I have that, uh, Akira Hokuto story that I did for, uh, Hidden Fortress Press, Screwjob. Oh, for Screwjob. And yeah. that was, I think, three years ago, and it'll probably never be printed. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was, cause I know Blake's got a piece in there as well. Yeah. And, um, and he was saying that he thought it was supposed to, cause I know Hidden Fortress shut down for a little bit or went on hiatus. Yeah, and I think yeah. that they're back and rolling. So who knows? It might show up. They're back. But, uh, Paul, who's the main dude at Hidden Fortress, he mm-hmm. also in between his insides exploding, he also bought a screen printing business. So now he's just doing that full time. And doesn't really have time oh. to print comics. And I don't blame him. Yeah. Like, that's... A, you're making money to fucking support you and your family. So, you know... Right, right. You're not going to be mad at a guy supporting himself instead of, like, spending... Get food on the table. Yeah, right. Instead of spending countless hours printing, you know, 100, 200 copies of some book that he might sell at SPX, you know, one time out of the year. So, I don't, I don't really blame him for it. And eventually, I'll probably compile all of these unpublished books or comics or whatever into one zine and just sell it um we'll see i mean it'll be stupid because like none of them have anything to do with each other they're all over the place it's you know no you can get away with that though especially in comics man you know especially if you yeah I might, uh, sell I it guess, under the guise that it's kind of like bits and pieces I guess so but it's also just like i don't care i just don't care i yeah. don't really it's like to me it's just like reshowing old work you know, I'm not going to go and print out, like, uh, drawings I did six years ago and try and sell them. It just feels cheap, and, and I'm not interested in that work anymore, so why would I show it off that way, you know? so Well, if you've got it, you know, from, I don't know, if you feel comfortable about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I should use it, but also my stubborn brain is like, uh, this is old. Who cares? It's done. Get mm-hmm. over it. Move on to the next <laughs> next comic. And that, I mean... It's, I don't want to get stuck and hung up on shit I did two, three, four years ago. I'd rather just be beelining it for what I'm doing next. You know, what's the next book that I'm working on? What's the next comic that I'm planning out? What's the next collaboration that I'm doing? Like, that's really the only thing that keeps me going doing this. Because if I constantly just 
you know, was stuck on the past about all the past work I did and, you know, where it went and what happened to it, I wouldn't do shit. I wouldn't be making any new work, you know? I would just be stuck in this dumb rut, just feeling sad for myself. And I already do that enough as is. I don't, you know, I, I should, I just got to keep working. Uh, so, I don't know. I'll maybe revisit them, but, I mean, as I'm saying that, I'm thinking to myself, absolutely not. No one's ever going to see those books. So... Yeah, I'll, I have new I have new ideas and new things that I want to work on, new new approaches to the medium that I'm more interested in now. Uh, like I mm-hmm. look back at like most of that stuff that isn't printed yet, and it's just like this is not good. This does not hold up at all to the stuff I'm doing now. And that's not even me saying, oh, I'm a great comic artist. I'm just saying to the level I'm working at now, this does not hold a candle to it. No, and that's a fair that's a fair reason not to put that out there. Yeah, you know, if, if you don't feel like it holds up. Yeah. No, definitely. And uh, I think that it's just one of those things that if you felt comfortable about something, you might put it out. But a lot of stuff, you know, you can leave in the past. Like I would never reprint some old books. There's one book I put out last year that I would never reprint. Right. You know, um, it, yeah, I mean, it's, hey, it's, you know, it's it's great. If you're Justin Timberlake and you can make an entire fucking career off of some shit that happened, you know, 20 years ago. Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You uh, fucking Britney broke up with you. Let's make 50 fucking albums about it. Cool. You know, like <laughs> that's so fucking sad to me. So like, I, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be this fucking sad ass dude that just like, just mopes around about it. The, the some shit that happened in the past. I just want to work on new stuff and just like move on with my fucking life. I don't know. Well, let's say that you actually became like a super successful comic artist, uh, cartoonist. So at the end of your career, you know, your publisher wanted to put all that old stuff out, kind of like how bands put out like B-side and live collections once, you know, they're long past, you know, done. Yeah. Would you allow a publisher to put that out? Even though, you know, you weren't necessarily going to put it out yourself, let's, you know, just, you know, in theory, let's just say that somebody wanted to put all this stuff out. Would you let somebody do that? I mean, it wouldn't be a matter of me letting anyone do anything. If you put enough money in front of me as a publisher, I will say yes. (laughs) And and, (laughs) that's in in an industry that does not pay well at all. Right. If you pay me well, guess what happens? Yeah, I'll do what you want. <laughs> you know, it's it's exactly. so funny because, like, you know, I, I grew up a punk, man. No, not really. But, I mean, I was involved in, like, the DIY culture scene. And I guess, you know, being a cartoonist, you still are. But um, it's so funny because when, you know, you're 15, 16 years old, you're like, fuck sellouts, man. But it's like once I hit 20, 18, 19, 20. I'm trying to sell out. I'm trying to sell out today. You know, I don't care if I have to sign away the rights to my firstborn child. You put that money in front of me and I'm signing on the dotted line. Yeah. And I think, I mean, when we talk about, you know, selling out big air quotes and right. what that means, I don't think saying yes to a publisher that wants to print your old work is selling out. I don't really count that as selling out, right? Like that's. What's that's selling out to like, you in comics? Like, uh, what, do, what mean, do you think that would be? Selling out is. Basically being willing to bury your contemporaries just for a paycheck. Oh, yeah, I didn't view it that way. That's selling out. I just looked at it as like looking at your work as a way to get money as opposed to what you necessarily want to do. That's what I always viewed selling out as. Yeah, no, that's not what I think selling out is. I think selling out is, in, in in the broadest sense, putting people... That were there for you since day one and throwing mm-hmm. them under the bus the moment you get the the cash. That's selling out to me. And and that to me growing up in the punk scene was what selling out was. Oh, okay. You know, you getting paid by like um 
a, a label or getting paid by a publisher and, and you're not actively harming the people that got you to where you're at now. Mm-hmm. And if anything, you're using that platform to promote those that got you on the ground floor. That's that's not selling out. That's doing the right thing. Uh, but there are people out there that will happily just bury their friends and, and contemporaries and people that were responsible for getting them into the door of whatever field they do and, and supported them and and just tossed them aside because the paycheck was big enough. And that's selling out to me. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of selling out sucks. But like when it comes to, yeah, I always just had the viewpoint. It was like, oh, Green Day put out a record on a major label. They sold out. They went pop. They sucked. So I always viewed that as selling out. And when it comes to that kind of selling out, I'm all game, baby. Cut me a check. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know what, you know, I don't know what those guys did behind the scenes. Oh, yeah. Me either. To, it wasn't a huge that I don't know. They could have very well fucking threw somebody under the bus to get that. I don't know. Uh, probably just join the Illuminati. I was going to say, they probably fucking had to crush a baby skull while raping its corpse or some shit like that. <laughs> oh whatever, whatever those fucking reptilian people do in, in you know, their high-rise buildings. I don't know. I don't know how they live, but um, that shit would not surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Are you working on anything right now? Are you, uh, you drawing any this week? Yeah, I got to finish the cover for this ash can. Um, okay. It's basically the pitch for this book. And uh, once I'm done with the cover, then I got to work on the, you know, all the little bullshit interior stuff that you don't really think about when you're making mm-hmm. a comic. And the worst part. Yeah, the worst. Just the fucking tedious stuff. Just the minutiae yep. of the things that you never would have thought about when making a comic, at least on this scale. You know, it's like when you're making a zine or a self-published comic, it doesn't fucking matter. You don't have to put any information in it or whatever. It's fine print nonsense. You don't have to worry about it. You just put your name, the content, and you fucking xerox it fold it staple it and you're done how many uh, pages do you got for this thing uh, the ash can only has i think six to eight pages i can't remember now okay um yeah around there it's not many and it'll plus it'll have some additional stuff like uh character designs script information Mm -hmm. uh, overall synapses of the story that kind of thing are you doing it digitally or are you actually drawing like analog the whole comic that i've worked on so far for this has been digitally and it's actually uh, the first time that I've worked on an entire comic completely digitally. So it's been an interesting learning process. Hmm. Are you drawing on a tablet or are you... Uh, uh, I got this tablet on... called an XP Pen 15.6 Artist artist Series tablet. Okay. Is it like a touchscreen? Um, like, yeah, like a, yeah. Okay. Like a yeah, little gotcha. pen or whatever. Yeah. It's basically, right. it's basically like a less fancy version of, of the uh, Wacom, Wacom, whatever. Yeah, right, uh, right, tablet. right. Um, it's like a less fancy version, but it's only like, it was only like 300 compared to the 1200 or whatever ridiculous amount you have to pay for those uh, Wacom tablets. But is it one where you're drawing on the screen or is it like a controller yeah. for your monitor? Oh, okay. No, no, no. Cool, you're, cool. you're, it's, you're directly drawing on the monitor and that's what I gotcha. do. Yeah. yeah. I need to get one of those. I, I just have like the tablet that syncs up with my monitor. Yeah. I'll send you a link to it. Um, it's really awesome in the last like five or six years. Mm-hmm. The market has been growing more in that uh, technology is getting to that point where companies can now provide sort of, you know, more affordable options for, right, for right. artists that want to use these types of tablets. Because, you know, Wacom, Wacom, what, what is it? Is it Wacom? Uh, Wacom? I've heard both, to be honest okay. with you. Well, yeah. All right. So Wacom, they've pretty much run the market for the last 10 years. Yep. Uh, completely, that's what I've got. <laughs> they, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. And they, they, that's why they're so expensive. They, yep. they don't have any competition. It doesn't fucking matter. They can just charge as much as they want. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, most artists don't have 
twelve, fifteen, eighteen hundred dollars just lying around to to draw on. Um, so you know you see more and more of these companies now popping up offering you know, cheaper solutions, and obviously they're not going to be near that quality, but they are they they work, they do the job, they're. They're exactly what I need to do what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to get some job at fucking Pixar, right? Like I'm just trying to draw a fucking comic on a on a tablet. That's it. <laughs> so uh, I'm glad now that that stuff like this is available to people like me, me who initially were just absolutely um, oppo- like grandpa angry about digital mm-hmm. and just did not want to fucking draw digitally. Thought it was, you know, a sham and ruined the whole creative process and yada 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 and it's just like now it's like oh well i can see why people do this now it's like way, it's well, way easier it's cheaper it's so much cheaper not oh, having to buy cheaper. bristol and fucking pens it saves space so much i don't have to fucking yeah. constantly buy new uh portfolios just so i can fill it up with pages that absolutely nobody's gonna buy so <laughs> it's it's a it's a huge help it's been a really huge help but that's got there's got downsides too obviously so um, you know, actually, this is something specifically that we should talk more in depth about, uh, digital versus analog in terms of drawing. Since last episode, we talked about digital versus analog comics and reading them. So this would be cool just from the other the other side of the table, right? Mm-hmm. How how this stuff, how these funny books are fucking made. All right. So uh, we can talk about that more uh, in the next segment. So let's uh, – this is actually probably a perfect time to take a quick break. So let's go ahead and do that. And uh, when we come back, we'll go – We'll do a deeper dive into digital versus analog uh, in terms of uh, making comics as, as an artist or, you know, whatever, whatever you do with comics. We'll be right back. our program. And welcome back to Gutter Boys. Uh, Before the break, we were talking about analog versus digital when it comes to making comics. And JB, you kind of alluded that this was the first project you've done extremely, like fully digital, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the the current thing I'm working on, it's 100% digital and it's it's pretty great. <laughs> Not gonna lie. Uh it's super easy. I really like the fact that I can just fuck up as much as I want. Yeah, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> and it it doesn't matter. It's like fuck no no wonder so many like new artists are like so amazing. It's like, yeah, of course, and you just make as many goddamn accidents as you want. It doesn't matter. And you did everything else like this was your first time doing everything digital or have you actually kind of toyed with it before or? No, no. I mean, the only amount of, uh, you know, digital work I ever did was to color stuff. Right, right. Yeah, I've been working digital now for, I guess, the past like two, two and a half years. My first like six or maybe six to eight mini comics that I did were all like analog, like pen and ink. Um, I was using like Faber-Castell. Yeah. Markers and pens. But um, yeah, I just went digital because what it is with me is uh, 
my line work is so shaky as is. I can't draw a straight line to save my life. Even if I like draw it with a ruler, it still looks fucked up somehow. And it's just because my hands are just naturally shaky. And the reason why I like digital is because um, also I can't draw really tiny. Like I even if like the nib was really small, like it was really kind of difficult for me to get like facial features on like a smaller shaped head, you know, for perspective of the page mm-hmm. and digital just allows you to zoom in completely to where even if something's only going to be an inch on the page, you can make it take up your whole fucking monitor. So it's so much easier for me to draw that way, um, you know, compared to actual just like, you know, pen in Bristol or, you know, just paper in general. Um, but that's, you know, I haven't really looked back since then. Yeah. I mean, that totally makes sense, and I don't blame anybody for making that, that jump, um, just because, you know, yeah, just, fuck, you don't, I don't have to, like, worry about whether or not I have enough blue pencils. Yeah, and it's, do you ever, like, because how long have you been working on this book, like, since you've been working digitally? Is this, like, a three-month more or more process yeah, at this they're, point? Yeah, they're about, yeah, about three or four months, yeah. Right, so, like, <laughs> it's really, like, fucked up, because I will draw like with pen and ink, uh, Dylan got me some of those Posca markers. So like I've been having fun with those. Um, I, I don't think I'll put anything out, you know, using regular ink and paper again, but I will still draw with like your traditional tools, but it's really funny. Cause like, uh, I found myself just being really dumb and doing like the pinch zoom on a piece of paper the other day. <laughs> Have you done anything like that? Wow. <laughs> it was so bad, man. But yeah. Yeah, uh, (laughs) I mean, I haven't gotten that bad yet. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to zoom in on this piece of paper and this fucking (laughs) ink drawing. But yeah, it was just like a little hiccup. I was just like, oh, yeah, you can't do that. But no, I really love it. I mean, and also like, you know, like you said, you can just fuck up all the time. So that's kind of what I'm trying to do with the new book um, is I'm trying to like experiment more with my style. Um, as far as like, I'm trying to use more color holds and, um, I'm also trying to play like with arrangement and with digital, you can just click and drag that shit around. Like, you know, you don't have to scan it in and then, uh, you know, put it into Photoshop and do that. Like it's all just instantaneous. It's just really fun to kind of experiment with page layout. Like I'll never go back at this point. Do you think you'll go back? Well, yes. I mean, on certain projects, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, it'd be really nice, you know, you're kind of talking about it all the first half of the show, like uh, having like a portfolio, like I don't have any original artwork anymore. And that kind of sucks. But also it's just the trade off, you know, I don't, well, I don't have anything, you know, yeah, I mean, original to sell. Not that anybody would buy that shit, I've, you know, but. Well, yeah, I mean, why, why do you want to have physical drawings around with you? Um, I guess I don't think I'll ever have kids, but let's say, you know, when I'm dead, like my life's work's not going to be on a flash drive, you know? It would be nice to have something tangible. I mean, I guess the books would be, you know, the physical side of it, but, you know, there is something about, even though it sucks, there is something about, like, looking over at a stack of completed pages knowing that you did that. But also, it could be terrifying knowing that you spent that much, spent that much time doing that. Yeah, so, I mean, the only reason 22. why I would even continue, you know, using paper and ink is if I knew the project had some support behind it or had a future behind it so that Mm -hmm. i can have you know these originals that i could ideally sell uh that's really the only reason why i know anybody that has switched over to digital continues to to do stuff uh on paper because they just know that's just additional income that they can make down the line yeah i was reading an interview or maybe it was like i don't know simon hanselman was saying that uh he was keeping all of his original pages because he was setting up his retirement fund so oh, okay. and, and he said he's going to sell them later down the road. makes a lot of sense, though. And that's the only thing that I think that 
you know, traditional analog comic making has over digital is the fact that you do have original pages. And some of that stuff's just really cool to look at. You know, I mean, I mean, all of it is. I, I get kind of just it doesn't matter what I'm looking at, but just seeing like original art uh, from comics just does something for me. And it could be, you know, the worst comic in the world. And I would still like find a way to appreciate like, you know, the whiteout that you, you don't see in the final printed book or, you know, how fucked up the lettering was and how you, you could see that it was corrected and how something wasn't erased fully. There's some kind of charm to seeing those original pages that is completely gone with digital. Like, what, do you just keep the layer in there? <laughs> like where you put the pencils <laughs> under it? Yeah, I agree. I mean, looking at old Silver Age comic art for sure does it for me because you do see a lot of process stuff that you wouldn't wouldn't really have known otherwise like you know exactly yeah it's gone from the original printed version right, so just like tape and white out and cut out mm-hmm. chunks and retaped parts and just yeah like all this assemblage stuff even though when we're working digitally we're doing the exact same thing no definitely um because the process is still there but you just don't have like you have the ability to completely cover it up from inception you know, whereas a, a physical page, it's going to be there warts and all, and you fix it all in post-production. Right. So I guess like with digital, I mean, yes, there's post-production. Like you said, you're at the point in your book right now, like the shitty part that nobody wants to do that nobody thinks about. But um, really, you're doing a lot of your post. I think that, well, personally, I do a lot of my posts like while I'm working. You know, usually when I finish a page digitally, it's pretty much done until I have to like scrub them over at the end, just make sure everything's where it needs to be. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's a lot easier to complete a page and like actually have it finalized as opposed to when I would work physically. Right. Um, cause you could always find a way to go fix something or, you know, if you fuck up, you can just hit, you know, last and it just, or undo, not last undo. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, do you ever bring your, I've looked at your original art at your house, but I mean, do you bring it with you to shows? I, uh, I used to. Mm-hmm. And uh, every year I regret, I regret it, excuse me, because I, I don't know. It really depends on the show. Some shows are really good about selling original art. So it really depends on where you're tabling at and knowing what the market is there. Because right. each convention has its own culture, right? Like what sells and what doesn't. You have a lot of, a lot of comic. And this, <laughs> this is so fucked, right? Because you would think across the board, oh, it's a comic convention. They're all comic conventions, so comics are going to sell them. No. No, not at all. It's Absolutely like the, the least not. selling thing. Right. <clears throat> the, the, the shows that do sell comics the most mm-hmm. are usually like the small press ones or the events that have yep. no celebrity guests. Yeah, because the celebrity guest shows, it's all about, like, the toys and the fucking photo ops. Like, you're going to see people with comics there, but I guarantee you there are more non-comics booths than there are comic booths at those types of shows. Right, and just like, you know, um, if you're going there with your friends or your family or whatever, you mm-hmm. know, you, you're probably not going to go there looking for comics. You're probably there to right. meet some guy that was in Thor. or Kevin Sorbo from Hercules. Right, or from, like, some show that you used to watch as a kid, or... Mm-hmm. You, you know, want to, and if you are into comics, eh, I understand this because I do this too. You're probably just going to sit in the aisles looking through long boxes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And at that point, like, it's not even worth it because those types of shows cost like 20 to 30 bucks to get yeah. in. Uh, so it's not really worth paying 20 to $30 to see a bunch of long boxes with like first appearances that are marked the fuck up. Yeah. Um, you know, that's not really what I'm looking for nowadays. Yeah. I mean, now, a, a lot of the people that I know that dig through long boxes are just looking for stuff to, you know, fill out holes in their collection. Not necessarily yeah. like the top tier jewel, you know, you know, fucking gem pieces. 
you know, like f- first appearance of Wolverine, yada yada yada. Right, like, right. of course, of course, those guys are going to have those on sale because it's mm-hmm. like kind of required to do that. Yeah. But they're also going to have hundreds and hundreds of long boxes of like fifty cent, dollar, two dollar books that are perfectly, yeah. you know, all readable, all in pretty good condition, and have you know some really quality stuff there that you probably would be interested in picking up. Um. I'm like me and a couple of my friends. I know Buster is like this. We're we're really into digging through the really cheap boxes and finding some of the weirder books. Like the, yeah, yeah, definitely. Like the small press stuff that came out of the '80s from the black and mm-hmm. white boom, and just yep. finding just the most bizarre fucking shit that just like, never uh, survived past two issues. Like first comics, I remember that was an imprint. Um, yeah, or Eclipse. Eclipse. Um, yep. Yeah, a lot. And of those. Uh, yeah, that was one with the E. Um, yeah, there was a lot. There's, that's what I do, too. Um, I was actually going to ask you if you've been dive. Um, I used to like, you know, pick up any kind of like 70s or 80s DC stuff just because I like the way that it was printed. Um, but now I'm really selective. I'll hit those like 50 cent bins and get like if something is absolutely just like a primetime example of like 90s trash, I might like pick it up for entertainment value. But yeah, I just look for like weird, like. 80s stuff like you mentioned there and then like you know you'll find a lot of indie stuff actually from like the 80s and 90s in there too like because nobody bought it back when it came out um but besides that you know i'm really only looking for issues of nancy at this point (laughs) and those are pretty high dollar kind of sucks trying to collect those but Yeah. yeah yeah i mean but to go back to the original point i mean it depends on the show you're doing and it if if you know you're going to have a lot of traffic, it doesn't hurt to have like at least one portfolio. Right, get some extra income in. Not even just for income purposes. I would say it's also to just if if an editor walks by and is checking out your stuff, they probably want to see your pages. Now, don't get me wrong. This approach, if you're an editor and you genuinely do this to look for talent, you're a fucking idiot. All right. <laughs> if you're honestly going to fucking Comic-Cons in 2019 looking for new talent and and fucking browsing through uh, you know, tens of thousands of people, just so you can possibly find some person that you can like uh uh tempt with some empty promise of like maybe getting a book or maybe getting an email about maybe maybe you know x y and z whatever fucking nonsense that is you're wasting everyone's time including your own as as an editor i'm just saying or if you're involved in any way in making comics and you're doing that it's a waste of time there's this new thing i don't know if you heard it's called the internet and you can find literally anything on there including comic artists really awesome amazing comic artists and uh i don't know start there look at their instagram look at their websites that they fucking pay 30 40 dollars a month to maintain so assholes like you cannot look at them <laughs> you know I, just, I don't understand that like people constantly told me uh for years just like oh you gotta have this stuff and this stuff because you never know man when these editors are gonna talk and it's just like such an such a dated understanding of art in I, it just reminds me of a class I took in 2011, and the guy, uh, Richard, great guy, really, really sweet dude, but you could tell he hadn't updated his syllabus in, like, 20 years. So, you know, we were learning about, like, you know, slides and, like, carrying a physical portfolio and walking into a gallery and, like, you know, talking to the representative there and showing them your work, and you're just like, no fucking human being does that in 2019. And no one, no one did it in t- 2011 either. <laughs> By then, that's, that was a very dated practice. So, uh, everything is now digital. Everything is done through, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's nice to like meet people in person and talk to them and kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. get a feel from, you know, about a person, whatever. That's cool too. But 
if you're actually looking for talent, if you're actually looking for good work, it's it's there. It's on the internet. It's everywhere. There's so many. There is a fucking it's just like an endless, overflowing fountain of artists getting just pumped out every every hour of every day, and they're there. You just gotta look for them. That's it. Just type in hashtag comics on Instagram. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just just open up a browser. <laughs> I don't know, like go on Instagram and just use the search function, and it's just there. You know, it, it's all there. And we, I, like, we gotta start hashtagging our shit, man. That's how these editors are gonna find us. Yeah, I, I guess, but it's, it's still like you don't even need hashtags. It's just there's no right. Yeah, it's it's all there. Like it's there. I don't understand that. It's like such a weird old old timey understanding of the industry. And granted, I understand. And this might be a symptom of that, of how fucking dated comics are as an industry, in terms of how they've just been unable to really keep up with the times in any real tangible way, right? Like, I, I think I was talking to someone else about this online. I think it was Evan Dorkin. Uh, I don't know if he listens to the show, probably not, because he hates comics, and I do too, so I don't blame him. But he, he, he and I talked about this exact thing. It's just like, there's no other industry really that's as behind the times as comics are. Right. In terms of in terms of like running a business, it is so fucking dated. We talked about this a little before about Diamond. Yeah, with Diamond. Yeah, yeah. like it's archaic. It's fucking mm-hmm. old as shit. It's it is so impractical. It doesn't work. You're wasting people's time and money. It And nobody's bothered to just be like, hey, this doesn't work anymore. Let's try something new. You know, nobody wants to provide alternatives. And there are alternatives. It's just that companies like Diamond don't want to fucking do that. They're, they're not interested in it. It's run by literal dinosaurs. Like, fucking ancient ghouls that support the fucking Republican Party. So, of course, they don't want to change anything. They, 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 think, they think fucking uh, is social media is some uh, weird millennial uh, uh, conspiracy to, to take away their guns or some fucking nonsense. It's, it's, it's the dumbest, most frustrating thing. And, and uh, I'm glad we have a comic so I can fucking shout about that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> glad glad we got this podcast. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, uh, you got. I actually picked up a Evan Dorkin book. I said it was a half price books. Um, it was something that he wrote and it was recent. It was about like uh, this witchcraft school. I forget what it was called, but mm-hmm. I just saw his name on the front. He just wrote it. Um, somebody else illustrated. Oh, okay, it. okay. Uh, but it was recent. Um, I think it said either I think 2018. But yeah, it was like uh, about some kind of like supernatural academy i don't know i flipped through it and it was in the dollar bin so i picked it up because oh, i saw okay. his name yeah 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 evan's a good guy he's uh i've never like uh i've never i was never really big into his work but i think that has less to do with him and more to do with me just not being on the up and up about about you talking about like the milk and cheese stuff yeah or? yeah 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 i mean yeah, all yeah. of his work really but yeah milk and cheese and obviously his work goes beyond that i mean he's done a lot of stuff mm-hmm. for like tv and whatnot so and i'm familiar with that stuff obviously because i'm a fucking dumb american that just watches tv or growing up that's that's what i did so yeah i mean we've all seen or watched or experienced his work one way or another i'm sure right right I didn't, what tv show did he do he wrote a couple i think some like justice league and batman the animated series oh, okay. and so, you know stuff okay. like that yeah 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 um yeah him he's he's a good dude him and sarah dwyer uh, are are very very nice people and uh it's good it's good to know that in a fucking hell world that we live in and in this fucking broken industry that we have we have people that are nice like them and also have just as much hatred for the industry <laughs> as uh, at least as much as i do cuz evan is evan's on another level with that so 
I hate it, but like I'm in it and I have to look for the good in it. Um, just because if I don't, I'd really have to start asking myself like why I'm even doing it at that point. Cause it already feels like I ask myself that pretty regularly, right? Yeah. but I've got to look for the silver lining in it. Um, so while I know that it's like a giant scam, <laughs> and like not a viable option, it's like, I try to let the good things about it keep me running with it. For sure. Yeah. And you know, there are good things. None of them have anything to do with the pay or the industry as a whole. Uh, it's mm-hmm. actually everything despite it, you know? Yeah, like it's, it's like everything else besides comics is what makes you want to make comics. And the only way that you can make money in comics is by not doing comics. Yeah, yeah. That's the yeah, that's the goal, right? Yeah, and it's like it's just this land of misfit toys where we're all still doing it and we're all in it. And that's kind of like, you know, I'm at the point now... I'm not even going to sound like I'm not trying to sound like that. I'm like this big deal, but I'm at the point now where it's like people that, you know, compared to three, four years ago, these people that I thought were like untouchable mm-hmm, and yeah. like, you know, super wealthy, like, you know, I see them at shows and now like we follow each other on social media and we say, Hey, and you know, to each other and like, you know, somewhat keep up with one another. And it's, you know, I'm very thankful to be in that position, but then you just realize that, you know, even though I'm way less successful than them as far as like, you know, getting regular gigs for respected publications and so forth, like it's all the same fucking racket. Absolutely. I mean, like, like guys <laughs> like Jim Woodring have like Kickstarters to like pay their bills. Yeah. It's like, you know, you, it, you meet your heroes in this industry and they're pretty much just struggling just as much as you are. Mm-hmm, yeah. They may have it a little easier as far as like being able to dig themselves out of the hole yeah. because they have a following. But at the end of the day, they are still in the same fucking hole. Yep. Pretty much. I mean, there's, you and know, yeah, yeah there's people out there that are the exception. Very few. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, for being honest, they're probably doing pretty well because of, you know, stuff that isn't comics. It's because it's stuff right. that's... <laughs> you know, uh, adjacent to comics or Mm -hmm. like fucking Ed Brubaker, for an example, you know, he's actually on like an image comics exclusive deal, which they don't really do for people. Right. Um, and I mean, dude, I love Brubaker. I think he's one of the greatest like noir comic, you know, writers that has ever, you know, lived and, you know, and that's a pretty bold statement, but I, you know, I'll stand by that. I think he's great. But, um, and his floppies that he puts out, like, he tries to put supplemental material for like the monthly comic buyer in the back. Mm-hmm. So there'll be like essays on film and like, he'll like talk about what he's doing and he's always fucking writing TV or doing consulting work for HBO. And it's like, that's oh, where yeah. that guy's money oh, comes absolutely. from. Absolutely. You know how you much know, money like, <laughs> you make just doing, just doing a script revision. Yeah. It's like, and you know, it's crazy that like, it's like 30 K. Yeah. It's like, it's he's fucking bananas. He's, you know, pro- meeting a monthly deadline, you know, he's the writer, but you know, he's meeting a monthly deadline, writing these criminal books. And you know, that's not even his main source of income. Like, and at no, this point he like doesn't even have to do of comics. His income, if that, if that yeah. yeah. Like if that, and it's just, you know, he's still in it. So, you know, props to him and, you know, I'm a fan, but the fact that he could easily quit and leave it all behind, you know, that says a lot that he's still willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, I guess same with, like, fucking Mark Millar. He's got, like, 9,000 movies out now, but still pumps out comics, so. Yeah, I mean, it's a blessing and a curse, because, like, that's, Mm -hmm. the comics is what got him to the dance, right? Right, so it's, I guess, uh, the way he tries his things out. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a weird thing. I can't wait until I eventually try my way into getting to TV or movies or some fucking nonsense, so I can have just some amount of income. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, well, I want to. Oh yeah. Even then, like, uh, well, and I'm not going to name any names, but um, oh, you know, if you can, Uh-oh. I follow a uh-huh. cartoonist Patreon, and oh, this cartoonist okay. yeah. has a Netflix original show. Uh, we'll just say that. And is it um, a show or is it a movie? It's a show. It's a Netflix show. Okay. And uh, on their Patreon, they were talking about how um, you know they were going to make every month if you subscribe to a certain tier level that you get a book. Like you know they they're serializing a comic right now, okay. and um, they were saying that they were going to make the next issue smaller to cut down on printing costs because printing uh, at a smaller size saves them five hundred dollars a month on shipping and times are hard. So this cartoonist is talking about having to cut corners on the size of books because even though they have a Netflix show, money's still tight. Yeah, they probably they probably blasted through that check. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yeah, because I, I would imagine, I don't know how it works, but I would imagine Netflix probably just buys an idea and then they keep all the profit past your initial payday. I mean, you that, probably get like some imagine. residual paychecks depending yeah. on how good your attorney is and you know, the type of contract you're able to fucking get signed up with, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if I was in that situation, I would, you know, you get that, I don't know, three, four hundred K fucking check and you just blow right through that within a year. As long as like my, if I ever get a check that big, I'm just paying off my student loan. So even if I blow it, it's like, oh, worst case scenario, oh, yeah. I have no, no debt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> the first thing I would so, do with that money is go through all my debt, credit cards, student loans, all that yep. shit, just get it all out of the way. And then I'm going to get real ignorant. Yep. I'm going to because that's still like, I mean, shit, if we're talking 400 K, it's a lot of it's still a, big, a big lot chunk of, of extra change. Money. Yeah, exactly. You know, what's really stupid is like uh, everybody in the world, maybe not everybody in the world, but I feel like everybody like daydreams about like what they would do if they won the lottery. Oh, yeah, of course. This of course. is how fucked up I am. If I won the lottery, I would legit start a publishing imprint. That would actually yeah. get into big bookstores and like yeah. help my friends out and other yeah. cartoonists that I like. I and that's how idea. fucked up yeah. I am because like I know that would not be a plausible business venture. No, you'd be losing money. You'd be yeah. hemorrhaging money every year. Yep, absolutely. But I would just. But you're do rich it. at this point, so it doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> you know, like think about how much money Netflix just dumps into the ocean every week on some mm-hmm. new TV show or new movie deal. Right. Doesn't even go it anywhere. Matter. Yeah. yeah it, does, it just does not matter. Yep. They're they're probably so far into debt, but it doesn't fucking matter because they're too fucking big at this point. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I would want to do if I had that much money. Hey, fuck it. Who cares? Right. Buy five, buy ten yachts. Fill them up with comic artists. We'll go to fucking Bahamas. <laughs> Who cares? It doesn't fucking matter. Let's tr- tr- just watch tr- the world burn at this point. Like, <laughs> you know, let's get ours and then let's get the fuck out. There you go. That's selling out, man. That is. It's uh, buying in. But there you go. Buying in. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think that 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 should uh, about do it for today's episode, tonight's episode, whatever time of day you're listening to this, I guess. Um, you got anything to say, Cam? Go ahead. So we are looking for emails. If you all want to write in, it's uh, gutterboyspodcast at gmail.com. We'll read your emails on the show and uh, chop it up with you as much as we can. Uh, thanks again to Darren for writing in this week. Uh, besides that, just want to thank Buster Moody again for supplying the music. And um, JB, I think you mentioned you know off air earlier, you said Buster has a new Patreon supporting a new book. Is that right? He does. He has a new book called Laser Storm. And if you want to check out that book and support it so that he can finish the book, uh, please go to patreon.com backslash Buster Moody, B-U-S-T-E-R-M-O-O-D-Y. And, uh, you know, throw throw a couple of bucks his way and you can check out his book. Watch the whole process from beginning to end. 
uh, it'll actually give you an opportunity if you are interested in really learning the process and kind of seeing from initial concept to, you know, a rough draft, you know, finalized draft, and then you start doing thumbnails, pencils, inks, all that. Uh, I would recommend checking out his Patreon then because you, you, you'll kind of get to see that firsthand uh, experience of seeing it form into an actual comic. Um, and also it'll, uh, it'll be nice to support an artist, uh, who's really, really cool and, and does a lot of great work and lets us use his music <laughs> for, for free, basically, until we start getting money off of this thing. Definitely. So, um, you know, thanks again for listening. Uh, we made it through our first month and, uh, hope you all have a good week and we'll see you next week with episode five. Yeah. To many more gutter gang months. Uh, we appreciate it. All right. Uh, stay gutter. <laughs>